welcome to Tabuk, a podcast about banned, censored, and controversial children's books. I'm Adriana. And I'm Maria. Welcome to today's episode. We're talking about The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. I've heard of that book. It's apparently, it's a classic. I had never heard of it before. I think last year I, I read it for the first time. But apparently it's considered a classic in teaching kids how to share. Okay. Which I disagree with. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so the basic plot is there is a tree. And the tree is a female. And mm. we only know this because the way it's written, it's like, oh, she was blah, blah, blah. But okay. Okay. It's an apple tree, a female apple tree. And a boy. And the it's like the boy growing up next to the tree, basically. And the tree loves the boy for no reason. Like, from the <laughs> beginning, the tree loves the boy. The tree is just like, this boy, I love him. Ain't and that just the way. <laughs> yeah, and the, the boy never does anything. I mean, he's just, like, there. Um... In each point of his life, the boy needs something, and the tree is like, I don't have that specific thing, but I will give you this other part of me so that you can get what you need. So, for example, when he's young, he needs fun, so she lets him play on her body, I guess, and she is very happy. And then when he's like a little bit older, he needs money. So she gives him all of her apples so that he can sell them and get money. And then he needs a house and she gives him all of her branches so he can build his own house. And then he needs, I don't, I don't remember why he needs to like leave on a boat and she gives okay. him her whole trunk. She, she just like is like, take, take it all. And he takes her trunk mm -hmm. and, and he leaves on a boat and then he comes back as like a really old man and she's like I have nothing left to give you like I'm I'm just a stump and he's like oh I just need to like sit down and relax and so she's like oh then I can be that like what you need and he like sits down and relaxes and she's like so happy that she can still be useful to him and that is That is literally the whole book. Like, there is nothing else. Nothing else happens. He doesn't even say thank you each time he takes something. Um, <laughs> that sounds like what we would describe today as, like, a toxic relationship, perhaps. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. It does not seem to be very healthy. So this book has been challenged and banned in various schools and various states, Um, but its most, like, notable one was in Colorado in 1988. And their argument was, we're banning it because it is very sexist. And I just told you the story. Like, yeah, it, it does come across as very sexist. But not only that, and, and this is something that comes into play a lot. I feel like a lot of the reading of this book and its sexism is tinted by Silverstein's life story. Oh. Because I I think I've read some like book of 
poems of his. It's like in every 90s school library. It's like what, where the sidewalk ends, I yes, think. Yes, that is his. All I know about him is like his existence as a children's poet and illustrator. So his books are The Giving Tree, A Light in the Attic, Where the Sidewalk Ends. And all of these are like classics. But at the same time, all of them have been banned or challenged at one point. Hmm. A lot of people think that this is because Silverstein, the way he became known to the world was not as a children's book author, but as an illustrator for Playboy magazine. What? <laughs> and not only that, like he, he wasn't just like illustrating for the magazine. He was part of the mansion. Like he was. He oh my was God. <laughs> and it is it is said that he had weird relationships with the women in this community. Like one person that I read said that um his relationships were like one-sided and like weird and like like he made it sound like Silverstein was kind of a stalker. Ooh, um his biography, like his official biography, um mentions that he had children with at least two of the women living in the mansion. Maybe he was a bit of a weirdo, but he must have had some sort of sex appeal, I guess, yeah. for all these women. <laughs> That's such a fascinating um, career path. <laughs> oh my god, I am... Okay, I just looked up Shel Silverstein, Playboy magazine images, and it's it's really weird. Like, he has a very signature, like, line-drawing style, and... Okay, here's a bunch of, like, people naked in a bathtub. Uh, <laughs> like, man, this is, not, this is not sweet childhood illustration. No, that, that is true. <laughs> His illustrations appeared in every issue of Playboy from 1957 to the mid-1970s. So that was, like, a really long run. And then... In 1963, he met Ursula Nordstrom, who was a book editor, and she convinced him to start writing material for children. Um, the thing is, it's also like been said that he did not like children and he did not mean to be a father. So it's, it's an interesting concept that he didn't like children and he was writing for them. But it's also, he didn't come up with this idea. Somebody else pushed him to it. So like... Well, Ursula Nordstrom was kind of a famous editor. She was part of a sort of transformation of how children's books were presented from being more the sort of like morality tale, right? To being something that more like appealed to children just because they were like fun and like whimsical and not necessarily quote unquote good for them, right? So maybe she saw this kind of subversive artist and was like, yeah, okay, kids might get a kick out of this guy's sense of humor or something like that. It, it's an interesting <laughs> choice on her part as well. I do think... Like, as an adult, reading The Giving Tree for the first time, I did not really enjoy it. It was like, what is this? But I also, I did come across this moment where I was like, what is this book trying to teach children? Which we have 
said multiple times should not be the purpose of children's literature but i was just like what is what is this book about like it's it's just about yeah. giving up everything for like one person who's not even grateful about it so i was just like oh this book is not not great he could have just said the tree wasn't it and then it wouldn't have been as weird to read about i think but i i do think that might be the author's personal like views of life coming through accidentally like in his biography it is also mentioned that he slept with hundreds if not thousands of women oh my which god is, wow and it the biography was not written by him it was written after he died so like also like another thing that he once said was that he dropped out of college because he wasn't learning anything mm. and more importantly because he wasn't getting any and he's like that's the worst two things that can happen to a man so <laughs> i mean yeah oh, oh my I god think, i think this man did see women as sex objects and i mean he maybe didn't mean mm. to write a book about it but like that is his personal view of things and it's going to come across like he does not he he wrote a story where a man takes everything for, from a woman and she's just happy about it and because that's the way he saw women and that might be true. Yeah, I mean, first of all, getting censored in the 80s for sexism, I feel like would take some doing. Like, it's an interesting conversation about like how much what you know about an author's personal life should inform your reading of a book. In this case, the book is so clearly sexist. The author's behavior is so clearly sexist. It's just like... Yeah, and all of his books were banned and contested at one point. And they were... That's so interesting. There's, there's even... I read this one article that was just like, his books were banned simply because they were his. I was going to ask um, what Where the Sidewalk Ends did to get banned but i guess yeah if it was just part of <laughs> so where the sidewalk ends was mm -hmm. um banned from wisconsin in 1986 because it promotes drug use the occult suicide death violence disrespect for truth disrespect for authority and rebellion against parents okay i feel like that's more <laughs> the kind of like nonsense banning that we've <laughs> been talking about it's like okay the occult yes yes ma'am <laughs> that's so silly there's another one he wrote a poem called little abigail and the beautiful pony and that one was it wasn't banned it was just like condemned mm -hmm. because abigail her parents refused to buy her a pony and she dies at the end like she does not die because of this but she she just like dies And <laughs> people were like, oh, this is bad. And I'm like, what? Like, people die. That's the kind of... Okay, I would absolutely show that to my parents and just be like, yeah, that's like that's what happens. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were worried about. Huh. But then, on the other hand, Silverstein was known for not liking happy endings. He believed that they were unrelatable. Mm -hmm. At one point, he said, mm -hmm. quote... The child asks, why don't I have this happiness thing you're telling me about? End quote. What kind of childhood did he have? Also, 
Shel Silverstein obviously got a couple happy endings. <laughs> he definitely did. Silverstein was born in 1930, and his father was co-owner of a bakery. And this was just as the Great Depression was, like, starting. And so apparently it was just terrible. Like, his family never had any money. It was always really bad. So I guess... Silverstein was just like, ew, life is horrifying. Um, but I mean, if you if you grow up during the Great Depression, I do believe that children would not think happiness is a thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think a child going through the same thing could be like, and that's what makes happy endings even more important, so that children can get some happiness at least. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sure. <laughs> so people didn't like him because he didn't believe in happy endings, so his endings were all... His endings were all bad. So he has a, apparently a story about a circle who is missing a piece like a pizza. Mm -hmm. And when he finds his piece, that could be the happy ending, right? Like, oh, I'm complete. But apparently once he finds his piece, he starts tumbling out of control. Yeah, just like rotating out of control. He just Oh my god. Like, and, and like... He would actively work so that his books didn't have happy endings. So if we keep this in mind, then mm -hmm. we could also think that this book is not really a happy ending, despite the fact that it ends with the words that the tree was happy, like she was happy. Right. Um, we could think... That he's, like, trying to subvert and, like, trying to be, like, um, really profound and trying to show yeah. you that despite him saying that she's happy, she's not, and that this relationship wasn't actually good, but this mm -hmm. is a children's book. This is not implied or said in the writing or the illustrations. So I think if he did mean for this to be read that way it was just way too obscure like it did it, like you would have to know that he doesn't like happy endings and if you don't know that and you wouldn't as a child i believe then you wouldn't get that message that's so interesting for our class we read wolves by emily gravett that is about a rabbit who reads a book about wolves and the rabbit learns that wolves love to eat rabbits and a wolf comes along and then the narrator tells you that everything ended happily and the mm. rabbit was fine. And it's a really good exercise in even like a very simple narrative can play with the idea of like, oh, maybe the narrator is actually lying to you because it sets up the rules for the world and then it goes against the rules that it made. So like you, the reader are like, okay, wait, something is up. I am being lied to. So like there are absolutely like techniques, even in very simple children's books to sort of claim that you have a happy ending, but to encourage the reader to think more deeply about it. But that doesn't sound like, if that's what Shel Silverstein was trying to do, it doesn't sound like he achieved it. It sounds like part of the reason why people dislike this book so much is that it, it does read like it's a straight book about how great it is to just absolutely destroy yourself for another person. Whenever he was asked about it, like personally, he would just say like, oh, it's it's a book about a tree and a boy. 
that's that's it like it, hmm. it's nothing else we've heard so we've heard that kind of talk before like oh it's just a children's <laughs> book don't think about it it's just rabbits yeah. <laughs> call back to our previous episode you should listen to yeah, it yeah if you didn't listen to it you should maybe <laughs> and then he disappeared from public eye for like two decades and then he died so you know it's like we we will never know <laughs> He went off to father some more children. Oh, my God. Like, all the articles I read about him, he was, like, a, a very attractive man. And he was also a singer. And he had, like, a great personality. And, like, he, he apparently, he, like, shone throughout his life. He was apparently incredible. Mm. But then, then he was found, like, dead by his housekeepers. So, you know, like, he did not have a happy ending. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Although, I mean, I don't know. I've seen pictures of Shel Silverstein. Um, and he also would do, like, illustrations of himself, which maybe sort of contribute to my mental image of him because he wasn't very, like, nice to himself when he drew himself. But, like, hmm. I, not for me. Not my type, <laughs> I guess. Well, not every man has to be your type. Comment below if you would... <laughs> Where are these people commenting? <laughs> um, yeah, he was also he he worked on a Johnny Cash song, um, a Doctor Hook song. He has albums that I think he sang. So, like this man, he he had a long, interesting life. But yes, his children's books are weird. But I think it's also healthy to, like, re-examine these classics occasionally, um, because children's literature especially is very prone to having these, like, canon books that are then passed down yeah. from, like, generation to generation. If you grew up reading it, you want your kids to read it. So it's good to sort of have, like, an airing out sometimes, I think. <laughs> Even just the rereading to your child, like maybe you really loved The Giving Tree as a child and then you reread it as an adult and you're like, oh, this yeah. this isn't what I want my children to read. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want my children to be the tree or the boy in this book. Yeah. My mom has this theory that in a relationship, the person who is always receiving things like always receiving, always receiving, will end up getting bored and wanting to leave. And so that's why you should never be always giving yourself to this other person. You should also ask for things back. Because if, according to my mom, of course, like she she thinks that if you're always just getting everything just because, it becomes so easy that it's not exciting anymore. And so it's just like, well... I'm going to get it anyway, so why would I try? Why, why would I do anything? And I think I think it is important because I have seen this. Like, I have seen this, my mom's view reflected in life. Like, the person who is always giving is never the person who breaks up with the person because they're, like, done. It's always the person who's always, like, receiving everything. They They get tired and they're like just leave me alone. Like, I don't want to see you anymore. And that's, mm. that's such a funny mm. thing. So yeah, do, you do not want to be the tree or right. the boy. How would you rewrite the giving tree? 
no, I, I don't, I don't really know if there's like a simple way to fix this book. Like, I think it should be harder for him to get everything from the tree. Mm -hmm. If the book were less about the kid just taking things from nature without giving anything back. Like, if it was like, oh, you can take my apples, but you actually have to like put in the work so that they grow and you have to like um, water me every single day for a month and blah, blah, blah. I think that would be better. Like, the tree being like, yes, you can mm -hmm. take all of my apples. I don't care. I'm giving them to you, but you have to put in the work so that they grow. I think that would be like a better message. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I, I guess the boy realizing that he should give back to the tree would be a good start. Yeah, having the relationship be a give and take, I think that would be much better. But yeah, and, and like the tree just loves the boy. The boy is really rude to the tree for no reason. So it's like none of it is nice. I wouldn't want my kid to read that and be like, yeah, I should just be the tree or the boy. Like, no, please do not be any of these things. Huh. Well, what a fascinating guy. Yeah, I, I think he didn't mean for his book to be a sexist, terrible book. But like... You think it was just like meant to be ironic? No, I, I do think that he probably was a sexist man. Mm -hmm. Born in the 30s. Mm. Working at Playboy. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he meant to write the book for it to be like a sexist book. Like I think that was just he didn't question his own views, mm -hmm. which fair. We we didn't do a lot of that just 10 years ago. So like yeah, I think... that's I mean that's why we have editors and critics and stuff as well though to, mm -hmm. you know, to point out these things because yeah, sometimes things do slip through and it's not intentional. It's just what you think is normal. Yeah, and until somebody tells you, hey, Adriana, you know what? It's not normal to say this. You're, you don't think about it. You're like, what? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? So it's kind of like new to us on this podcast, the idea of books being censored for progressive reasons, like the author was a terrible person or the message is misogynistic. This is more difficult terrain, I feel. Um, I mean, I personally would not read this book to a child. I think it's something else to say it shouldn't be available. And as always, I am bringing controversy to the podcast by bringing up why isn't this book banned? It should be. <laughs> that's that's going to be like the running theme of all the episodes I run, like apparently. Yeah, so this podcast is gradually turning into a pro-book banning podcast. Um, <laughs> we bamboozled you. You thought we were against book banning and now we're for it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week. Yeah, don't give away. 
everything you own to somebody who is not at all grateful. At least they should at least say thank you. If they don't even say that, like, honestly, what are you doing? Yeah. Keep your things. Yeah. Bye. See you next week. I mean, honestly, I think the worst part of this is having sex with a man named Shell. Like... <laughs>